passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special free edition of Rewind to SmackDown. My name is Wei Tang. Uh, John Pollock is off reviewing Impact's Heart to Kill pay-per-view right now exclusively for our patrons. But uh, we're doing a little bit of a switcheroo because normally this is a show that is uh, recorded exclusively for our Post Wrestling Cafe and video.postwrestling.com members. Today, we decided to put the Impact show on that feed, so you can go and check that out right now if you're a patron or a uh, video.postwrestling.com member. But on the free feed, we decided to use the the opportunity to give you a bit of a preview or at least uh, a sampling of what we do here on Fridays. A lot of you guys might hear us review uh, Raw and Dynamite, and some of you might be asking, well, where's the SmackDown review? Where's the Rampage review? It is done every single Friday uh, for our, uh, you know, very, very, very uh, generous members of uh, either of those services. Uh, but joining me in John's place is uh, our resident Impact, or, or sorry, uh, AEW. Uh, she probably watches Impact uh, plenty as well, but AEW. Not tonight, and, but yeah. <laughs> and WWE reviewer on Fridays, Kate from Montreal. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown, Kate. Hey, thank you so much for having me back again. Um, this is uh, no nothing earth shattering, I guess. Nothing quite as earth shattering this week, but uh, the the earth shattering, um, you know, you arguably maybe took place earlier in the week. If not, um, maybe we're just mm. kind of getting set for uh, for some big news. I'm sure um, in the in in the next week or the weeks to come. But uh, we have a lot. Oh, to Well, I talk was about. counting down this evening. Like I was assuming that there was just going to be something that was going to blow up around seven o'clock. Cause... Of course, yeah, and I'd be panicking even more than I normally do whenever <laughs> John is taken taken up with some other task and I'm left to steer the ship here. But we well, will... they, they do this specifically to bug you, I'm sure. I'm sure it is, yeah. Uh, but we will do our best to navigate some of the top stories today before we get to our reviews, and then of course. Rewind to SmackDown is also the show where we open up the phone lines to all of our patrons, but today being a very special free show, we're opening up the phone calls to everybody. So uh, I'm going to actually drop the link here in our chat room right now. You know what? I'll drop it in a bit later on for our YouTube live uh, viewers. Um, but those of you who are, of course, uh, subscribed to us, or if you go to postwrestling.com, you can, actually t- you can actually find the StreamYard link to call in later on in the show when we encourage you guys to give us your live calls and feedback. Um, but Kate, would you like to go through some of the top stories of the day first? I would. I would always enjoy doing this. Okay, so we have a few stories here, and you know, a lot of them, of course, 
uh, centering around the McMahons uh, and, of course, the WWE, uh, first of which includes details about a WWE talent meeting that was just held right before SmackDown today, uh, of course, uh, before the tapings. And Fightful Select has the details. Fightful Select reported that a talent meeting was held by Paul Levesque at today's SmackDown tapings, uh, with Levesque essentially assuring talents that his and his current team's creative plans will be staying in place, reiterating that Vince McMahon's role in the company at this time is to only gauge and facilitate a possible sale. Though Lebeck did say that anything could change, he reportedly called many talents concerns by stating that he had final say when it came to creative, even if he does have conversations with Vince. Lebeck also repeatedly reportedly squashed stories of the sale being complete, saying if it did happen, it would take a lot longer. So, um, you know, Kate, what seemed notable here was the fact that, you know, you had Lebec telling his roster that he has final creative say, even above mm-hmm. a Vince McMahon, according to him. Um, now, the fact that he even had to have this meeting seemed to at least under, underscore what seems to be a largely, you know, if not unanimous negative reaction from talent regarding the possibility of a Vince McMahon returning to creative. Um, what do you make of uh, what you heard today and, uh, uh, and the story? I think that the the lines that were uh, well, leaked or given to the media about what Levesque said are almost eerily similar to what Stephanie McMahon said last week when they had their uh, their meeting for uh, employees after Vince came back. So the weight that I put on what he said is pretty low. Uh, Ultimately, it may be true right now that Vince may have expressed no desire to come back into a creative role. And we talked about this last week. I just don't know how long that's going to last. I don't know if it's even the case right now that he's not taking any kind of creative uh, creative role in the company. I don't know that it if he is remaining hands off, that that is going to stay the case. Uh, I I feel like everything is very much in flux and we've already had some of what was said kind of walked back because of Stephanie leaving, um, which you know, uh, as of last week when he came back, he had absolute confidence in the management team and specifically mentioned Stephanie's name as one of the people he had confidence in and that nothing would be changing. Things yeah. changed almost immediately. So which I, I would caution anyone to view any claims about how things are going to be WWE to to view those with extreme skepticism. I tend to agree with you. Um, You know, these sort of talent meetings, I'm sure, are just to perhaps steer the ship in in the right direction. Um, It's it probably doesn't mean a whole lot until we actually see some activity. But it does tell me that, like, you know, I have to imagine Vince McMahon is aware amongst the talent what reputation he probably has uh given off mm-hmm. you know with all this news so if there appears to be any like future involvement with him in charge of creative i imagine it'll be pretty covert and and not very obvious at least to start i have to imagine well and i would think that for him the one thing that he has to be careful of, of is if he is looking to sell the company he would be sensitive to the fact that potential buyers uh, are not going to want to hear about a potential about a talent uh, potentially wanting out of their deals, and uh, that is 
it's been raised that there are a lot of talent who would prefer not to work with Vince or who far prefer working with Triple H over Vince. So that's, I think he he's cognizant of, of that kind of thing. And that might be one of the reasons why they want to uh, reassure people that it, it's not going to go back to what it was, because that could lead to a lot of people wanting to to get out and that's going to damage their their value to to potential buyers. Also in the news this week regarding the Levesque's, Stephanie McMahon Levesque, uh, she's had quite the uh, busy week as uh, she just days after announcing her resignation from the WWE uh, tweeted on Thursday evening um, a photo of her informing the public that she had undergone a procedure to work on her ankle, tweeting a photo of her in a hospital bed in a taped up cast with the caption, busy week. Thank you, Dr. Waldorp at Andrew sport med and the orthopedic center staff for fixing my ankle and to kevin wilk for already getting me started on rehab and of course my amazing caregiver triple h hashtag road to recovery uh, of course mcmahon lebeck announced her res- res- resignation from the company uh, only on tuesday and uh, no reports about the cause of injury known at the time could be something that just happened or something long-term that she delayed until recently we do not know of course we wish her a, a speedy recovery but um yeah Sticking with the McMahons and the Levesque's here, there was a report um, this uh, today that that garnered a, a bit of attention, and that was regarding uh, Stephanie McMahon and Paul Levesque with uh, sources telling Axios that Stephanie and Triple H had both opposed a sale to the WWE. However, um, this was at least partially... Um, amended by Fightful and the Wrestling Observer, later noting that they both seemed more open to the sale than this Axios article uh, seems to suggest. But, um, you know, in either case, Kate, you know, um, Stephanie has left the company. She still holds, you know, 2.5% of Class B stock, but she's pretty much removed herself uh, from the board. And unlike her last leave um, from any sort of role, not temporarily, permanently, Kate, um, her husband still clearly wants to be there working creatively. What could a potential sale mean for either of their futures in the business? I mean, it depends entirely on who they're selling to. And that is one of the things that caught my attention about the these two slightly, but not necessarily incompatible stories. Uh, is that, was it that they were opposed to a sale or that they were opposed to a sale to one particular buyer. And it, and then it raises the question, if there was a, a buyer who they were op- opposed to uh, selling to, who was that? And there have been, you know, some names bandied around. Maybe some of them are more, uh, are less appealing to the Levex than others. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, their role in the company, uh, particularly, well, like it, let's, set Stephanie aside for now and let's assume that she's true to her word she's not going to come back Uh, for Paul Levesque uh, I think that what his role is is going to depend entirely on who this buyer is because there are there are roles for him in almost any scenario but they're going to vary wildly depending on what the the new owners want the company to be how much of that depends on what what Vince's role in creative is and and what is, would you say the best case scenario for triple H if he wants to stay in his current position? I think that the best case for triple H is that they sell to uh, some, 
I, I would say to like a Comcast or perhaps to Disney where you have uh, a company with a vested media interest who's going to want to keep to do whatever it takes to increase viewership uh, in the key demo, which is something that AAA, the, the, the Triple H programming has been making ga some gains in, not huge ones, but modest ones. Uh, I think that uh, a, a buyer like a Comcast or like a Disney, uh, they are going to be more cognizant of scandals attached to Vince McMahon and therefore would prefer to have someone who has a, a bit of a cleaner reputation and a, a reputation for a more modern outlook like, uh, like Levesque, uh, where uh, he is going to run into trouble is he, with, again, if you have like a Saudi acquisition, because the, the Saudis are not going to be as concerned with those issues, unless it, unless they think that the, the presence of Vince McMahon is going to really threaten uh, their ability to, to gain a large national audience on television. And I don't think it will, but uh, the, the Saudis are going to be the most inclined to work with to work with Vincent to give him what he he wants because he is going to be mo most likely the one who is most willing to to work with them and who they have worked with already. So let's move on here to another story, um, somewhat attached to uh, I mean directly attached to the WWE sale, and uh, this also gained a lot of attention today, and that of course involves Tony and Shad Khan, a report. From uh, a few articles um, here, uh, starting with CNBC with the headline, WWE's smaller rival AEW interested in mergers, sources say. The article goes on to state that neither Shad nor Tony Khan have actually had talks with McMahon or Nick Khan, and that the deal is a long shot, but it did state that Tony and Shad are open to keeping Vince on in a potential role, though, of course, they have not had talks. There is another article from Barron's, which is a sister publication to the Wall Street Journal, which stated WWE may be up for sale. AEW is interested and in who else might be. Uh, that article also added that the cons would likely seek a financial partner in the potential acquisition. Uh, Tony Khan's, or sorry, uh, Chad Khan's. Real-time net worth, according to Forbes, is listed at $11.7 billion right now. WWE's market cap today stands at $6.65 billion, so just a little bit above uh, my own, Kate. Um, the Barron's <laughs> article, however, did not list them as favorites, instead listing Comcast, Endeavor, and the Saudi Public Investment Fund as more likely candidates. Um, how do you read this, Kate? You know, do, do you believe the cons are actually interested in the sale, or is this just a way for maybe Tony to gain some attention for AEW? Yeah, when I was a little kid, I used to occasionally make crank phone calls to places uh, just to, you know, kind of get to get a laugh or whatever. And this almost feels like that. This feels like Tony Khan or people close to him actually crank calling CNBC or Barron's and just seeing like, let's see if we can actually get them to print this story. Now, it it's not a bad piece of PR for for them. Uh, it gets their name out there. It re it it does serve as a subtle kind of rib that like you know, the the cons are wealthier than the McMahons. They have the money to to buy this, or at least that they could get the money together to to buy WWE if they wanted to. Uh, I but I don't see it as more than just sort of someone having a bit of fun. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun for the audience to you know discuss a scenario. I mean I don't put it past any any anything right now, Kate. You know. Um, stranger things have happened if you asked me like you know 10 days ago that saudi arabia might potentially buy the wwe i i wouldn't have necessarily thought it was as possible as it is now but um 
financially does it make sense for a shad con um depends you know who his partners are i suppose um does it make sense for tony con in AEW? clearly tony con is a very passionate person who loves mm-hmm. and knows a whole lot about the professional wrestling industry um would he be willing to take on a behemoth though as big as the wwe especially when AEW is, is already doing so well um financially does it make sense for them i mean i don't yeah i I don't know how okay tony khan's already spread kind of thin but even so like taking on wwe like this is it's a whole different uh experience because they are they have a lot of of uh of things that come attached to them for one thing, this long-term deal with Saudi Arabia, which is something that a lot of people who've worked with the AEW before and a lot of their fans have criticized and have indicated is a factor in making them move towards AEW. If you suddenly own it, that becomes a little bit hypocritical. Uh, I think that the WWE is a very different product and as passionate as Tony Khan is about wrestling, uh, I don't know that he is go- he would be in the best position to to produce WWE product, which has an audience that is different than than the one that he currently draws. I, like I said, weirder things have happened. Uh, I'm, but uh, look, to my mind, monopolies are never a good thing. And no. uh, the not not in, we've seen what a monopoly is like in wrestling. This one would be slightly different. The one thing that might interest me a teensy tiny tiny bit is that if the Saudi, uh, the private investment fund, public investment fund was interested, really interested in buying WWE, uh, I would happily, uh, I would, I would happily support any bid by the Khan family to buy the library, the, the, his, the archives, because I think that is something you do want in the hands of someone who really loves professional wrestling. Yeah. I, I don't see, you know, the, the, the archive not necessarily like, I mean, that archive would be worth, would be very expensive, uh, I imagine, yes. you know, if it's ever sold. Yeah. And, and even then, like, is there that much value in a wrestling archive when I think it's been somewhat proven that, you know, people pay subscription services to new content, fresh content, live mm-hmm. content. Yeah. Um, I'm just babbling at this point. <laughs> and I think that's what this entire story is. I mean, again, stranger things have happened. We can't say it's 0%, um, not necessarily happening, but um, I, 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 you know, they, they like, like the article said, they seem to be a bit of a long shot here, but it's fun to speculate and it's fun to talk. Mm-hmm. AEW Dynamite. Ratings from their show in LA, 96,000 viewers, which is 12% up from last week, and also a uh, approximately 429,000 or 0.33 in the demo, which is up 28% from the week prior. Uh, this, of course, for the show headlined by the Death Triangle versus the Elite, uh, also a show with a whole lot of interest on the potential appearance of a Mercedes Bonet, I would say. Um, Third among cable originals, the show's highest viewership since October 26th, Large, uh, the largest 18 to 49 demo since September 28th. Uh, I did have a look at uh, Russell Nomic's quarter hour breakdowns, and there was uh, indeed a significant increase from the usual pattern uh, for the uh, women's tag team match in the overall viewership. Uh, it did drop back down to normal levels after the segment was over, though the 18 to 49 managed to pick back up uh for the bucks versus death triangle main event um 
Any thoughts, Kate, on the set of ratings? It's a good number. I think that people will debate back and forth whether the possibility of Mercedes helped that. Uh, it was promoted essentially as a, a pay-per-view on free TV uh, with a lot of big matches. So I think that you, it's difficult to assign, uh, to say that the, the rating was the result of any one specific thing. I think there's a lot of factors that went into it. And uh, what will be interesting is to see uh, what the retention is like this coming week. Because I think that they acquitted themselves very, very well, unless the sole reason you were, tu you were tuning in was the possibility of Mercedes. Other, if, that, if you had any other reason to, to tune in, or if, that was, if anything else was a factor, then I think you're probably very pleased with what you saw on Wednesday. Uh, one last note here, and that comes to us from, of course, tonight's Impact Hard to Kill post show, which is concurrently going on at the same time as us. But uh, those of you listening to this right now can check that out afterwards in the Post Wrestling Cafe with John Pollock and John Cena. But a uh, bit of news coming out of that show is that Frankie Kazarian has stated that he has signed a long-term deal with Impact Wrestling. Of course, uh, last you know, one of the originals of AEW, Kate. So. Um, Apparently didn't have too many nice nice things to say about AEW. Um, I believe something to the effect of like, um, you know, he felt like uh, saw start started to see a lot of strangers in the locker room. And of course, a lot of this could just be, you know, character work to uh, promote his appearance. But, um, you know, are we getting to the point now, Kate, where like a lot of the AEW originals contracts might be coming up? And do you expect more instances of, uh, you know, uh, like like Frankie's in the future, in the near future? I guess. I think that uh, like he had he had apparently asked for his release. Uh, I didn't get the the feeling from what I saw that it was on bad terms or anything. So, the, but we'll we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, a lot of the AEW originals, the people who are there day one, their contracts are going to come up, and some of them have options, which which Tony will pick up. Other others you won't. Um, but there is going to be a bit of a migration. I think for Kazarian, this is the best move that he could make. I think he's going to be much more featured on Impact than he would be anywhere else, very much including AEW. I think he's one of those people where when you see him come in and do something on AEW, it's like, oh yeah, he's really good. He really, like, it would be good, great to do something with him. But then you look at who else is on the AEW roster and it's like, well, at some point, he's going to be displacing someone. And who is that going to be? Because for every person who's on, uh, who makes it onto Dynamite or onto Rampage, there's a queue behind them. And uh, it's, it is, it's been uh, a challenge for them in, uh, in the, the last little while, particularly the last year or so. It's going to continue to be. And I think for someone who's as talented as Kazarian, like he should take the opportunity uh, where he can get it and that opportunity is going to be much greater at impact agreed agreed um and and i think it trying, just kind of underscores maybe the value of an impact still you know in the wrestling mm -hmm. landscape for uh, an AEW that's really just kind of growing too big and um there's not going to be a spot for everybody and there are a lot of great guys that are very talented that might be left without work um if we're mm -hmm. strictly relying on wwe and AEW and uh, Impact seems to be, at least for now, a good home for Frankie Kazarian. Again, <laughs> details about that as well as uh, tonight's Impact Heart to Kill post show up right now at postwrestlingcafe.com with John Pollock and John Cena going over the Impact Heart to Kill post show. Let's move on here for um, our reviews tonight, Kate. 
WWE SmackDown tonight, as I drag my notes out there, came to us from Green Bay, Wisconsin, with about 6,000 people in attendance. Um, at As of 6.45 p.m. tonight, according to WrestleTix, only 274 tickets were available. So a virtual sellout here uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin for WWE. And we start things off with the Intercontinental Championship match between Braun Strowman and Gunther. A big homecoming for uh, Braun Strowman, who lives about 1.5 hours away, we were told. Uh, as uh, Strowman also, you know, here uh, notably was wearing Green Bay, Green Bay Packers-themed boots in honor of a fan of his who was killed at the Waukesha Christmas Parade in 2021 uh, when a man decided to... Uh, drive through a parade in his SUV, killing six mm-hmm. and injuring 62. Uh, hor- horrible, horrific accident. Uh, the boots were, as of now, I guess, auctioned off for charity to, to, to help the victims. Uh, and Cole, of course, drew attention to them on the broadcast. The match started off here with Gunther targeting Strowman's injured shoulder following previous Imperium attacks. Strowman fought off Gunther's chops, fought off uh, Imperium, leading to a big power slam for a near fall. Strowman powers out of a short arm scissors, deadlifting Gunther from an awkward position into an impressive overhead suplex. We hear let's go Strowman chants as they exchange big chops. Spinebuster from Strowman for two. Big splash from Gunther for a near fall. Gunther goes up top again, but Strowman tries to catch him with the superplex. But Gunther escapes, uh, delivering a running powerbomb to Strowman off the turnbuckle for the victory. What do you think of the match, Kate? That was very good. And I think that if there is even more than any individual person the the biggest beneficiary of uh, triple h uh, taking over wwe is the intercontinental title it has had a very now i know it actually got uh, gunther got it before triple h took over but he has done a very good job of building up it is the 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 tv title the one that's getting defended week to week that has stories attached to it uh, i think that these two guys um it's interesting because they're they're very similar in uh in terms of their style and uh in terms of their presentation and uh they they work they work well together it's you know it's not like is it going to be a match that's on my my top 10 of the year at the end of the year no but i i enjoyed it and i thought it was very elevated a lot by a very hot crowd and they were they're very into it they're very into stroman uh, Strowman to me is of any of the people who Triple H has brought back since August. He is the one who's been the real success story to me, even more so than Bray Wyatt, who's received a lot more attention. He continues to be very, very over with audiences. I'm glad that they have leaned into him being uh, a babyface because, as we were talking about this last week, I think he's he actually works better as such. And I did not expect him to win, but. Uh, and I think it's a, a better idea that they leave the title on Gunther, who really is elevating it. But uh, yeah, I thought it was an enjoyable little match. I thought it was a really good, you know, hard-hitting match between su- two of your super heavyweights on the roster. And you don't often see Strowman playing the underdog, you know, fighting from behind here. But Gunther's style is like so hard-hitting and so aggressive that it's actually very convincing. And I thought Strowman really did a great job here selling his shoulder. Gunther's work on the shoulder was very strong as well. Um, yep. And, you know, obviously being in the man's hometown or near his hometown greatly benefited uh, Braun Strowman tonight. I don't know if he has this sort of connection really anywhere anywhere else. Um, but with, you know, Wisconsin. Um, mm. He still gets a pop, though. Like, I find more than 
if I'm thinking of the, the other people who who have come back, he still seems to get a a, a bit more of a positive reaction. Hmm. I I I just remember like the whole ricochet uh, fiasco and and thinking that at some point like he's probably going to go back to being a heel just because i think he naturally exudes that sort of thing but tonight being a baby face absolutely worked of course like the moment they focused on the booth i actually thought there, there might have been a chance they might have made the switch just because of uh, all the sympathy that i think he he would have been attached to him but gunther is the long-term play they've done such a great job with him and uh i'm very curious to know what his plans are for wrestlemania i mean there are rumors of brock but we we don't know if uh if that'll happen um but nonetheless, you know, he's definitely a Triple H pet project that I think will directly indicate um, how invested um, or how in control maybe Levesque is. You know, does Vince McMahon see the same in in a Gunther? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, he did like, again, he did put the belt on Gunther. So he saw something. But uh, yeah, it, it remains to see. Would he have gone as hard in, as hard with him as Triple H has? Would he have put that much emphasis on the the intercontinental belt? It's hard yeah. to hard to tell. Sami Zayn is in the back, and he wants to talk strategy with the Bloodline against uh, ahead of his match with Kevin Owens later tonight. Paul Heyman is the only person in the locker room, and he informs Sami that they're not here. Uh, in fact, Roman said he wanted Sami to do this on his own tonight out of love. Sammy says, let Roman know that he made the right call. I will solve his KO problem for him. And that's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. So more to come on that later on tonight. Ray Mysterio comes into the ring with a microphone. And he says that he did not have a Merry Christmas because of his son, Dominic. Dominic is now walking around like he's a thug. And as a father, that's disappointing. But as a man, he's fed up with his bullshit. Yes, Ray Mysterio said a bad word. Ray isn't going to let Dominic provoke him, so he's going to win the Royal Rumble to get back on track. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, I think our next interaction between, between the two, there are no holidays between Christmas and um, the Royal Rumble, so I would assume the next interaction we get between the two might be the Royal Rumble itself. Okay. Uh, or we're just going to hold up for Valentine's Day? Um, that, I mean, again, it should be the other way around. Valentine's Day. It should be Ray... <laughs> interrupting a valentine's day date between oh yeah Leah and dom that would be lovely but out comes carrying cross and scarlet carrying cross says we all remember ray winning the rumble 17 years ago how uh, it must have been a great moment for his son back then but ray won't really know that because he was never around for dominic as a kid he asked ray if he hates his son more or does he hate himself more for raising him to be just like him some physicality ensues off of these words, and Cross latches onto the Cross jacket and chokes Ray out. What do you think of the segment? Uh, this this program kind of leaving me cold, especially because it just it actually feels like Cross is just a, a weird add-on because the story is so clearly between Ray and Dominic. Uh, that said, I thought Cross was better here than he he is uh, in other promos. I'm not a fan of that sort of super practiced stylized uh type of promo that he does uh i again like i don't know where they're going with this uh because it just it feels like a a, a, a side trip like a, a little bit of a a tangent for ray uh while we're waiting for him to get to the program with dominic and but at the same time i don't know if they have a good idea for what they're doing with cross 
uh, I thought that, yeah, this is okay. I don't, I, I'm just, I'm not getting invested in this. I'm not really feeling it. Uh, I don't, I don't think Cross can absorb another high profile loss uh, because that's mm. all he's had since he came back. And, but well, I think can. you have to keep right. He he can, but you want him to feel kind of hot going into the inevitable, I would imagine, WrestleMania conflict with Dominic. But Ray is the type of character that, like, I mean, he's of a status that he could probably lose a million times. And because the grudge yeah. is already built in with his son, you could probably yeah. still build enough heat for that. In fact, I mean, it, it, it might be related to Dominic or, or, or Judgment Day that might cost Ray the victory against mm-hmm. Cross. I agree that Cross shouldn't be losing again. And I think that's why... I, I predict the win for Cross ultimately in this yep. feud. Um, I'm a I'm a bit more you know um, I think optimistic about this for Cross. I totally agree that I think again speaking of the Hunter call ups, like he's probably been one of the bigger disappointments considering the level of push that he's received. But because I totally agree with your assessment that he's very much like a very scripted type of like comic book type of villain but Ray Mysterio is very much in my opinion like a comic book superhero so for this sort mm-hmm. of like feud I think the chemistry might yeah. work a little bit better certainly visually having Cross you know stand next to Ray makes him that much more intimidating than standing next to Drew you know which I, yes. I don't think helped either of them so I'm a bit more optimistic but I mean we shall see you know like Cross if you can't do well with Ray Mysterio then I mean shit like there aren't many people you yeah. probably do that well with, especially in ring. So we'll see how that match goes. Liv Morgan is in the back with Emma and Maxine. Emma and Maxine tell Liv that her idea of entering first into the Rumble is dumb. You have Raquel coming in here and basically agreeing with the other two. Uh, and Raquel here was a little bit heelish, you know. She's saying that somebody Liv's size would be better off coming into the Rumble in 30th. Raquel says she was built to win the Rumble. Liv then goes up to Raquel and says she had her palm read today as she raises her hand and shows it to Raquel before slapping Raquel in the face, challenging her to a, to a match. Raquel says it's on, and uh, we get a bit, a bit of a babyface versus babyface feud later on tonight. Um, do you sense any you know um, anything more than maybe just a one-night subtle heel exchange between either of them? I wasn't even sure entirely, like, yeah, I thought that they were making Raquel heelish, but it was almost like they were playing around trying to decide which one of them they wanted to turn. Uh, I did not, this segment did not work for me at all. I thought it was so cringy. Uh, And just the delivery from all of them was uh, so stiff and so unconvincing that it, it almost, it didn't even necessarily register with me who was supposed to be the baby face and the heel because it was just all so artificial. Like, and yes, it's professional wrestling. I'm not looking for Academy Award winners here, but or Golden Globe winners if we want to be, <laughs> if we if we want to be au courant this week. But uh, yeah, I I guess Raquel I I think is probably stronger as a heel than as a baby face. Uh, she she has that kind of uh, big bitch energy about her and uh, Liv is it continues to be a fan favorite although they both feel pretty cold right now up next we got Zia Lee versus Tegan Knox and Zia here came in with a new braided hair look um, not much to speak of unfortunately in this match uh, we you know have a match that was relatively cold no character nor build for either of them prior to this. Zaya misses her spin kick. Knox capitalizes with the Shining Wizard. 
And uh, I suppose these two maybe, you know, slotted for the rumble beyond that. Anything else to say about this, Kate? No, very, they, these are two women who are desperately in need of some character work. Uh, you know, appreciate the effort to get another women's match onto the show, but this, uh, this, this would have been better served uh, if the time had been allocated to introducing us to who these people are. And especially Tegan Knox has a phenomenal babyface backstory. Just built it, just, and they've mentioned it on commentary, but actually let the audience know what it is because it's pretty remarkable. And it even it casts WWE in a really good light. And uh, I, you know, give us more of that because they people don't know who uh, Tegan Knox is, and she's not spectacular enough. Like she's not a ricochet. She's not someone who you can just send out there and she's going to wow the audience just from her moveset. And that, that, like, she's a very, very good wrestler. I'm not saying that, the, that she, she isn't by any means, but she's not the kind of performer who's going to get people's attention purely from in-ring. She needs a bit more character development and she needs to have her story told. And, you know, to be fair, sometimes like it's, you know, matches like these with no prior uh, reason to exist uh, whatsoever, that might be their way of introducing, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. leading into next week, you know, a story. But um, I didn't I don't think these sort of appearances are are helpful for anybody because it makes both of them not feel like stars when you have a cold match out there in front of a crowd. So mm, there's nothing, again, spectacular enough about the match to really draw people's attention. But, yeah, we'll see if they, uh, you know, build the story uh, for either of them coming up. Viking Raiders. Um, Last week, after SmackDown went off the air, we saw the Viking Raiders attack Drew and Sheamus, better known as the Banger Bros, after SmackDown last week. And this week, we see Valhalla with the Viking Raiders. Valhalla talking about her visions. She says she's seen two fallen warriors sentenced to hell. Drew and Sheamus, they're suffering awaits. And, uh, yeah. Um, These things look incredibly cool, Kate. You know, but for Mm me, once they're in ring outside of this, like, very well-produced sort of backstage vignette, I mean, it has not translated. Um, But... They they look cool. The um the the voiceover stuff it it's getting pretty corny for me. Um, but yeah, no, the visual is great. But they you're right. They have not figured out how to bridge this sort of dark, shadowy, uh, very almost primeval look that you have going uh, in the videos to what happens in the ring, which is this very brightly lit. Uh, sort of public environment and though that con- that conflict in, in terms of the atmosphere it does diminish the I almost said the Viking bros no <laughs> the Viking warriors anger bros um, that's right yes the speaking it, of the banger bros yes okay. <laughs> Drew and Sheamus are arguing about who they want to target first. Drew wants to face the Vikings. Sheamus wants the Usos. And they slap each other in the chest uh, with every sentence. Pierce says that next week to solve their problem, he's going to set up a tournament to determine the Usos' next challenger. And the Vikings versus the Banger Bros will be in the first round. I am quite enjoying these Banger Bros, mm-hmm. Kate. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad to see them sticking around as a tag team. I think they're having a whole lot of fun on social media with the name. These sketches are fun. They're both main eventers. And could they be the team to dethrone the Usos? I think so, but I don't think that that's where they're slotted in right now. And 
I actually feel like if the emphasis is going to be on the the Viking bros, that they're going to be the ones who take that match next week, which is too bad because, yeah, I like these guys as a team. Uh, Also, credit to Adam Pierce in this in this this sketch because he was really funny to watch just him getting like smacked around by two guys who are obviously like several weight classes ahead of him so that is up next week of course uh we we don't know what the other first round matches are as of yet um but i guess one one would assume it it may either be the vikings or the banger bros we shall see bray wyatt shows up next he is in his rocking chair rocking chair of course uh, we have not seen um for quite a while uh representing his fedora braid days he says green bay were here he says he remembers all that he's lost he's red in a world of black and white he's the eater of worlds he's uncle howdy he's him he's everything he's bray wyatt the rumble will be his true rebirth a baptism in the dark um of course the uh he did not say the words Mountain Dew pitch black in this promo, but um, we know what he means. He says, LA Knight, when the lights go out, you should run. So, you know, a very nostalgic, heavy uh, promo from Bray calling back uh, a lot to his, you know, first uh, Fedora Bray gimmick uh, with mm-hmm. the lines and the rocking chair. I thought it was a bit more memorable than maybe some of his other promos. Um, I would even go as far as to say that I liked it. But, I mean, it's still, it's a program and a match that still feels incredibly cold to me. It, um, I guess, also the 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 video that aired the the, uh, the there was a, a QR code in there that went oh. to a, a video clip uh, from the Firefly Funhouse era of uh, where we first sort of saw flashes of the fiend and the let me in. Uh, I think it was the the first instance of him saying that. So there is this uh, the this integration of past Bray Wyatt characters. I'm curious to see where that goes, but I got, I wish it would go somewhere a little faster than it is. I think, you know, when you're talking about long-term storytelling there, that's a, that's a two prong uh, approach. It it needs the long-term and the storytelling. WWE has often struggled with the long-term part of that right now with Bray Wyatt, they're struggling with the storytelling because it's just not, it's not gaining direction. It's not gaining momentum. And yes, I, I thought I like seeing the the old characters come back, but there's also part of me that's sitting here thinking, it's like, oh my God, did we just take like a few steps back and we're going to have to have all of this re-explained and everything is resetting again. Like I'm, I'm, I've been waiting months, like please. And it's not just for him to get back and ring. I want an explanation. I want to, I want to get more of an idea of who uncle Howdy is and what the relationship is between them. I want to know what's going on with Alexa Bliss. You know, just start bringing these threads together. It's a feud or it's a build, I should say, that I think has been really lacking in substance. You know, part of like what I've loved so much about the White Rabbit things is just it felt so engaging, you know, to the point Mm -hmm. where I was actively Mm -hmm. wanting to learn more about it. Um, Me too. It challenges the viewer in 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 ways mm-hmm. that I'm not used to watching professional wrestling, and this has been the complete opposite. There's been nothing yeah. there to challenge somebody watching it. I mean, if anything, it the, the challenge is trying to like stay interested, and um, that has just not been the case, unfortunately, because they've given us so little over months now. Um, so 
I, I've been disappointed in it, but we'll see if they can win people back in the Mountain Dew pitch black match. <sighs> at least Sam- he didn't say it. You're right. Like, at least he didn't say it because that that just that would have like knocked me completely out of the uh, out of my suspension of disbelief. Just hearing him like suddenly insert the words Mountain Dew pitch black into that promo. Think about the fun, though, that they could have. Like, maybe maybe you'll have a QR code that'll like go to an ad for Mountain Dew. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Let's go uh, up next here in the back. Kayla is with Kevin Owens and Owens uh, and Sami Zayn quickly interrupts. Owens tells Zayn that he's being used by Roman, but Zayn tells Owens that he's sick of him saying that the bloodline are his family and he's going to take care of business tonight. Kayla is then uh, we go to commercial and then Kayla is back with Gunther who's icing his neck. Gunther says that beating Braun Strowman was his biggest win to date, but now his focus is on the Rumble and the main event of WrestleMania. So Gunther had put it, put his name into the uh, Royal Rumble, and uh, you know, uh, 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 you could expect him to get maybe the the big big man spot of, of big mm-hmm. man spots in this in this Rumble this year. So uh, we'll look to, for him to get a big showcase on a pay per view this time. Liv Morgan versus Raquel Gonzalez. Early on, uh, Raquel throws Liv over the top rope to prove a point as uh, these matches tend to go ahead of the Royal Rumble. Cole tells us about Liv's Royal Rumble history. In 2019, she was eliminated in eight seconds, which was a record at the time. But then in 2020, she lasted 40 minutes, which proved that she can win the Royal Rumble. Uh, Liv starts slamming her head against the top turnbuckle to fire up, and she ends up clotheslining Raquel over the top rope before taunting her. Liv then pulls it out of a table on the floor and wants to dive. She unfortunately takes too long to set it up, which uh, Raquel capitalizes on by blocking her dive inside the ring to Hannah Bomb, pins Liv Morgan. Your thoughts on the match? Eh, it didn't, uh, it didn't do much for me. Um, I think that uh, Liv feels like she's still sort of, waning a little after the the title run which is is fine you know you 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 almost want former champions to have a a bit of a period where they go through a lull before they get rebuilt i kind of like the idea of having her be the first person in the royal rumble and have her do like some sort of crazy crazy spots like just exploding with energy taking on a whole bunch of people sort of overcoming a lot of odds before ultimately getting eliminated i think that that would help build her up again I don't know why they don't just have her insist. Like, yes, I insist on going in first uh, the way that Brock Lesnar did a couple of years ago. Obviously, she's not going to do a Lesnar kind of performance, but I think it would be a, a, a good uh, uh, a good way to feature her and to sort of start building her back up again into title contention. Raquel, I, I feel like Raquel has a ceiling and that it's not too much higher than where she is now like i think she had a very good run in nxt and got very uh, got over with uh, with crowds there i don't know that she's ever really lived up to that sort of initial excitement that people had for her and there wasn't anything that i saw tonight that would convince me that i'm wrong about thinking she has a like a a not terribly high ceiling on the main roster i I mean, everything about her, like her size um, and how WWE has treated like, you know, the, the monsters in the division in the past tells me that like she she'd be a bit of a slam dunk for success. Like she's way more talented than Nia Jax, 
um, everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, if she received a similar push, I I don't see how that would be um, unsuccessful. I I think her problem is just she, I, for whatever reason, like this baby face gimmick she has has been mm. like pretty vanilla, and her mm-hmm. there's nothing like unique about her, but beyond the fact that she smiles, like. And, and it kind of surprises me that, you know, even under the Lebec regime, nothing, none of that has really changed. She's still just as kind of generic as she was when Vince was around. So um, it might take a heel run for her to finally unlock that. But I, I think there's still a lot of potential with her, just kind of just given the size, you know, and, and how there's nobody guess, really like her. Uh, well, but there is. There's Rhea Ripley, who I would say does that role, but does it better. And maybe that that's not to say that you don't have room for for two big women in the the division, but uh, I think it's a very good idea that you keep them on separate shows because the comparison favors Rhea, not uh, not Raquel. So we'll see uh, with this build. I mean, you know, Raquel is somebody I could see getting a, a big push in the Rumble. Um, is there interest in a Liv Morgan Iron Man run in, in the in the Royal Rumble? I mean, hey. We'll see. I, I think she's continuing to like, you know, add wrinkles to this like unhinged character she's mm-hmm. been trying to portray ever since losing the championship. Um, I think things like slamming her head against the turbuckle, they were improvements, but there's still a bit of a long way ways away, in my opinion, to be to be convincing. But we'll see what they have planned for the rumble for her. Adam Pierce is in the back with Sonya Deville. Sonya wants a rematch against Charlotte after losing to her last week. Pierce tells her to get back in line. Sonya refuses and says she's going to find a way to make that match official. So we come back from commercial and Sonya has attacked Charlotte backstage. Get a big brawl. The refs and Pierce break it up. So it looks like they they might be going back to that rematch. uh, Either on TV or on the Rumble. Maybe the Rumble actually kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, that could be. Because I don't think Sonya's not uh, a realistic... Uh, option in the, the the rumble match itself so you, you might as well feature her somewhere else i kind of wish that they'd actually they hadn't bothered with the the match so much last week because i thought this was a pretty good uh brawl segment they looked uh like they were really going at it and uh i don't believe that sonya is going to win but i think that that i like having this be the intro to the program might have been uh might have been a little more effective but we shall see um i liked it we get the Cody video, the same one as Monday, uh, you know, talking about the Hell in a Cell match. And then next week, we've got the Banger Bros taking on the Viking Raiders. We've got Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens in a contract signing. And then in two weeks on the Royal Rumble Go Home Show, is it's Karrion Cross versus Rey Mysterio. So they've, they've announced that. Um, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn is our main event here. Uh, their first one-on-one encounter since July of 2021 back in the Thunderdome days. Things are pretty heated early on as Zane delivers a big brain buster to Owens on the apron as we go to commercial. Blue Thunderbond from Sami Zayn for a two count. Then they get into a bit of a hockey fight, half and half suplex from Zayn. Big Lariat from Owens. Double down as we go to our second commercial. And as we come back, um, Kate, I, I guess this was the first time I noticed this in the broadcast. We get a commercial for Raw's 30th anniversary with a cover of... Eiffel 65's Blue by David Quetta used in the commercial. Could they not have found a song with the word red in it, Kate? <laughs> yeah, Blue? It's, like, it's the honest one. Like, why? Of all, but of all the colors, really. Like, that's the one you went with. The one for the other show. Yeah. Good catch. Like, I, I mean, it, it was just a bit of a surprise to me. Maybe, like, could Mountain Dew not have used, like, their code red, you know, to sponsor this one? 
That would have made a whole a lot parrot. more sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens continues. Uh, these two just go through their greatest hits at this point. Tornado DDT from Zayn, Swanton from Owens, Twisting Fisherman Buster from Owens, half and half suplexes from Sammy. Sammy is about to win with the Huluva kick, but out come the Usos in solo to attack Kevin Owens, causing a DQ. Zayn is in the corner. He can't believe it. He's about to do this on his own for the for the tribal chief. The Usos are like, don't don't worry about it. You did great, Sammy. Zane is disappointed, but he reluctantly throws up the one. Uh, Solo de- delivers a Samoan spike to Owens and then splashes him through a table as we close the show. Uh, a match between Montreal's favorites. What did Kate from Montreal think about it? I hate having to choose between my children. Um, they're Look, these guys, I don't know if it's possible. For the two of them to have a bad match together, and this was by this was a this was a very good match. It was entertaining. I thought they had great like great fires right from the beginning. Their they, their expressions, the energy they put into it, the the, the when they were shouting at each other, I just I loved it. I, uh, I I got very into it. I was wondering how they were going to uh, end it. Figured they'd let Kevin get the win, but uh, actually I do. Uh, uh, I, in this case, I, I thought the, the DQ was a good idea because it added to the story because we were talking about this last week. Kevin is clearly a pit stop on this journey. The destination is Roman and Sammy. And so this uh, this match got us closer to the destination uh, and didn't sort of waste a lot of time. Like, yes, Kevin looks good. He looks tough. You know, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a good match. But ultimately, we know where this is headed. So I really enjoyed it. And Sammy's expressions at the end were just so good. Mm -hmm. I think they've been doing a tremendous job of, you know, continuing to subtly babyface Sammy while just, you know, Mm -hmm. make putting him on the heel side. He's just so earnest and wanting to do a good job, like in in, in pleasing the tribal chief. And I think they've been doing a great job of having the bloodline basically fuck with him here. You know, they're telling Mm -hmm. him he's got to do this alone. And then right as he's about to accomplish his goal, they come in and and basically screw him around. So um, Mm -hmm. it's making the audience want to see Sami Zayn win and and it's making the audience want to see Sami Zayn eventually turn um and i think they've done a great job of it uh thoughts overall on smackdown uh i thought uh book ended by two very good matches like there was this stuff there was nothing in the the middle that kind of stood out to me but i thought the opening match was very strong i thought the closing match was very strong and the the angle that they they sort of built from there Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
We move up next to AEW Rampage and a note for Canadian viewers. And I want to know if you had this experience, Kate, but um, TSN recently announced their rebranding of their online platform to TSN Plus, And it appears that Rampage is now only going to be available if you sub to their Plus subscription, which is in addition to your cable subscription. Is, is, that, is that what you found? Yep, that is what I found. Moreover, when I went to log in, it did not allow me to log in unless I actually clicked that I was willing to accept uh, periodic emails. Like it did not, really? it, it did not, yeah, it didn't let me actually <laughs> click, you know, continue until I had checked the little box said, yes, I, I would like to receive uh, periodic emails. So Okay, so don't don't don't, don't want to get into, into this this don't want to get too long into this, but that did not please me. So there is a trial right now available for TSN Plus for people who I guess uh, I don't know are used to getting Rampage as part of their subscription. Um, but uh, they also haven't stated how much it'll cost. They said the price will be announced at a later date. So um, yeah, that's that fun. was. I mean, I just sort of logged in through my regular account, like it didn't. But uh, yeah, we shall see. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 rather unfortunate, and I mean, at least in Canada, I I mean, the stock of a AEW Rampage is already relatively you know lower than it was at the beginning, and just kind of adding another paywall on top of it is going to probably deter a lot of people from sticking around and keeping up, or at least you know encouraging them to find other means. But nonetheless, yeah, I was going to say like I don't know if it's going to do dissuade people from viewing. I think it might dissuade people from viewing it on TSN. Not that we encourage right. that. But uh, that is another obstacle, unfortunately, that's out there for uh, Canadian viewers of AEW Rampage. Uh, okay, so uh, we start things off here tonight with the TNT Championship match between Darby Allen and Juice Robinson. Very early on, we get a back body drop from Juice to the floor, uh, to Darby to the floor, as Darby clips his knee on the apron. All through commercial, Juice is in control as uh, we come back, and Darby dodges a cannonball, responding with a code red for two. So there's your code red. Uh, Juice hits a nice lariat on the ropes and a jackhammer for a two count. Juice then goes for a superplex, but Darby counters in midair with the top rope scorpion death drop and then follows up with the coffin drop of his own for the victory. Cool re- reversal in the finish. I-, I thought, unfortunately, though, Kate, you know, coming off of like the Darby Allen matches we've had last week, this was definitely a bit of a step down. But I mean, those are unrealistic expectations that the man set yeah. for his first two defenses last week. Well, and the other thing, of course, is that you tune in and, and you can hardly believe it's the same group of people that you saw or that you heard on Dynamite on Wednesday. This mm. crowd was exhausted and it showed. They had just come off that ladder match and you could it did very much feel like a group of people catching their breath. Uh, I thought, again, it was a good match. Derby's always entertaining. I'm not a huge... Like, I don't dislike him or anything. I'm not a big Juice Robinson fan. I don't know if there are big Juice Robinson fans. Like he's he's good. He's going to give uh, Darby a solid base to work off. But uh, like you said, the recent matches that Darby has has had have been remarkable, even by his standards. And so this one did feel like a, a bit of a step back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Juice is somebody who has shown really great sparks throughout his career, but I, I, I would argue he hasn't really shown one in quite a while. And this heel run for him just hasn't really made that much buzz. He's coming into AEW with you know national North American exposure at a time when his stock might be lower than it has been in several years, and there's nothing 
thus far in his AEW run that has kind of made you feel otherwise. His first first night in, he was overshadowed by like another debut. I don't even remember at that. Bandito. At that, on, Bandito. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, put into a situation tonight that, I mean, was just kind of another match. Ultimately, um, you don't remember a whole lot uh, from it the worst of maybe the, the three Darby Allen matches that we've seen thus far. And that's not to say it was a bad match. It just was not it spectacular. And you're, t- you're talking about a roster now where you have to be very special. You're competing with somebody like a bandito for attention. And, um, you know, he, we'll, we'll see, we'll see if like, you know, what Tony Khan has for him. Um, does he have a special storyline left for him? Is he going to be one of the ROH guys that I just, you know, is just going to randomly appear and do jobs until that gets started. I was a little surprised, actually, that on Wednesday he uh, specific was it on Wednesday or was it on Dark? Oh dear, uh, that he specifically called out that he's still a member of Bullet Club. He was wearing which, a Bullet Club shirt, or at yeah. least his his Bullet Club shirt. Yeah. You know what? Um, it was on Dark because uh, Dark Order were trying to recruit him, and he he told them to piss off and said that he was already in a club. So they like I, I was. It just struck me as interesting that they were carrying that over because it's not like Bullet Club has any presence anywhere else on, on well TV. i imagine he he really could use um <laughs> at least having something recognizable attached to him at the moment you know i imagine it's kind of yeah. like the best friends where like the best friends are in chaos um when it's convenient you know even mm-hmm. like or like you know lance archer i don't even know what's going on with lance archer but like you know he's a member of suzuki gun and always was this whole time just taking advantage of i think that relationship um to be able to co-brand uh slightly but um you know maybe maybe it'll be something else involving the bullet club that you know finally gets uh some attention onto juice robinson in in, in a bit more of a positive light we see i'm looking forward to darby's next title defense a little bit more who who's oh (laughs) yes okay let's talk about it now because like you know I know that like AEW probably doesn't get this information until maybe partway through after they've already taped Rampage, but like in the middle of like our main event tonight, because you know Excalibur is just like doing his like you know, plugs, plug, plugs. Last week it was like yeah. him announcing Takeshita versus like Brian, like just in the middle of this mm-hmm. this thing that like said everybody sort of like very excited. This week they've announced Darby Allen versus Kushida taking place next week on Dynamite. Uh, just kind of thrown out there in the bottom lower third, uh, but Kushida coming into AEW mm-hmm. at least for uh, one night only. Yeah. I uh very much looking forward to it. But yeah, my god, it's starting to become like the the the, the little easter egg hunt on Rampage. It's like, "Oh, what's going to be the gigantic match that they announced that I'm almost going to miss?" Very excited for this. Um this match. God, like mm-hmm. probably more excited for this match than like any possible pairing Kashida could have in New Japan Pro Wrestling, yeah. to be quite yeah, honest with you. So, I think I feel like I've seen him against a lot of the best people that he could face in yeah. uh, in New Japan already. Like this is very fresh. Yeah, Kushida. Um, I don't exactly know what what his deal is with New Japan Pro Wrestling, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see how. Like, I, I imagine the audience will give him a really good reaction. Like, he's I think of a star level that like an AEW audience will respect him and will see this as like a big deal if he mm-hmm. gets a big reception um does it open the door for um you know a more regular occurrence we know he lives in in america so well this is why i'm wondering like with the 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 sort of the shuttering of new japan strong and the uh, imminent debut of ring of honor 
where they have said that they're going to be, there's going to be participation from other promotions, I think there might very much be a role for him uh, there. And uh, whether or not like, and you know, possibly also uh, making appearances on, on AEW, but I think he would be a really good person to, to get as a regular performer for, for Ring of Honor on, and uh, who could also work with New Japan and AEW in different places. We get an update from Powerhouse Hobbs as uh, he cuts another promo on the AEW roster, says something about uh, the good book, Phoenix Rising from the Ashes, and he's going to spread the ashes on everybody in AEW. So um, I don't know about you, Kate, but like, you know, these vignettes were looking so cool and modern and something about his last two like on-screen promos, like just just has been lacking to me something about them screams like 1991 promo to me and not necessarily in a good way um i think he's taken the book thing a little bit too literally you know okay like i'm gonna go back to what i said last week when we talked about this which is that i thought that one should have been sort of closing the haha book on these promos like now it's time to actually bring him back onto tv give him some people to face whether it's a couple squash matches whether it's just giving him like a few wins to to get him a little more momentum this one seemed unnecessary to me because it seems just it seemed very much the same as the one last week and unnecessary agreed yeah i mean i just I don't like at times it felt like tonight he was like playing a bit of a reverend character, uh, quoting the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, like I got mm-hmm. flashbacks to Reverend Devon as he was doing some of this stuff. And I just don't know if he needs to base every single one of his promos around the book. You know, um, he's he came across as incredibly authentic and realistic. And I, I, I would like to see a bit more of that and, you know, less less like him holding an actual book of Hobbes. So mm-hmm. he should be having I mean, it's 2023. He should have an e-reader at this point. <laughs> Or an iPad or something, you know? Uh, this segment coming up next here, Kate. The acclaimed Renee Paquette introduces to the acclaimed coming out. Um, and, you know, it's a very, very jovial mood here. You talk about L.A. maybe not uh, being being tired earlier, Kate. You know, they were Oh, they laughing. woke up for this. They, they Yeah, they up. were. Yeah, they uh, picked up for this. And uh, those of you who, I guess, were following the tapings online will have seen plenty of uh, video of max caster um screwing up his first take of this particular rap and uh asking in front of the live audience to do a retake and uh here he comes out rapping about joe biden hiding documents um something about them never having to sell out for blood money uh, of course referencing the uh, recent sale news or at least uh speculation uh something about the walk of fame and then uh jericho jokingly in the background to, or in the commentary says nailed it so this crowd was like, you know, like playing along and, and having fun and maybe a bit of uh, editing in there. But um, uh, I think you're... that they like, I, I think that it, it looked credit to all involved. If you didn't know, it wouldn't, uh, you, you wouldn't have realized that it was a, a redo. Uh, if you see the original video, it's actually very endearing. The, mm-hmm. the way like he comes out, he stutters, he turns on his lines a bit, and then. Uh, like, okay, we're going to do it again. You get the city, you fucked up chant going, but then obviously the audience came right back. Um, and Billy Gunn like said, these... that's why yeah. I only say, said two words. Yeah, that's uh, it. Uh, I, I thought it was actually very, if I were AEW, I'd consider putting the whole thing up there 
just because it's a very cute little vignette that uh, that does actually like further establish that audiences love these guys they'll forgive them a screw up hey it's a it, it takes a lot of talent to like you don't catch the beat you know when you have a crowd cheering mm-hmm. as loud as as them so um i completely understand it doesn't hurt them one bit and uh yeah made for a lively atmosphere at least for the actual take um so they have like a like a cement sort of like um table uh for them to do their handprints as they were promoting um bowens cut a promo to the crowd first says uh, he currently lives in la uh and just like delivered a hell of like sort of like a rallying speech you know if only like half Mm -hmm. the uh, hollywood man's chinese or uh what is it uh tlc whatever oh yeah what's the tv brand whatever whatever it's called now the chinese theaters uh speeches could be half as good the man sounds absolutely fantastic right now so they have a table of wet cement they're about to cement their scissors but out come the gun club to interrupt they um do some arguing and they want to put their hands in the cement instead so they're facing um the stage as they are about to do it as the acclaimed pants pantses them and billy shoves them ass first into the cement so the ass boys have been i guess um cemented so there you go a uh, fun little segment here you know mm-hmm. renee is with the mogul affiliates in the back and um they've added uh at least or at least i thought they were they added they've added a few more members turns out this is quincy and king combs the sons of p diddy here representing bad boy and uh they you know talk up swerve swerve says they're going to, this is going to be to be the most violent group in AEW in 2023 um they're really dangling this like mystery of who this tattooed man is nor and also like even exactly what the what the i don't know um reason for this group existing is but um mm-hmm. they know a lot of rappers is uh what we're familiar it, with swerve is just such a captivating speaker that it's it, you're right. Like there are some obvious questions to be asked here, but I find I get so wrapped up in what he's doing that I don't really ask them until I, I don't really think about it until afterwards because I just like having him on my screen. I'm curious to see what it is that well, uh, that, that he's going to do. I'm legitimately curious to know what's up with this tattooed face, man. And um, it's it's enough to like pique my interest, and they're certainly playing with that sort of like curiosity by not revealing mm-hmm. really anything about the guy. So we shall see. Um, we got up next here, Eddie Kingston and Ortiz taking on the Kings of the Black Throne, Malachi Black and Brody King here. And the story going into this match is, can Ortiz and Kingston get along? This, of course, stemming from the House of Black refusing to specifically attack Ortiz with uh, their finish, even though they, they did attack him on the floor afterwards. But anyway, whole thing was like a month ago. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Malachi have a brief exchange ending with Eddie doing Malachi's cross-legged sit-down. We go through a commercial. Eddie is getting beaten up, and he consistently refuses to tag Ortiz in. Ortiz distracts Eddie, uh, distracts Malachi, I should say, from hitting the black mass. Big lariat from Kingston for a two-count. Out comes Buddy Matthews with the chair. Eddie takes the chair away from Matthews as Julia Hart runs up behind him. Ortiz thinks Eddie is about to hit little julia hart with a chair and starts yelling at eddie the distraction leads to malachi hitting the black mass onto kingston for the victory um i thought the finish was a bit convoluted you know and not that well executed in my opinion did you have the same feeling kate 
I didn't. I actually quite liked the way that they did the tease where it wasn't just straight interference, but it was the kind of interference that continued to sow discord between the other team, which is really what the House of Black has been about, is getting inside people's heads, making them doubt themselves or others. And so I, I thought that the nature of the interference was in keeping with the with the story that we've had thus far. I just feel like for me, maybe my tastes when it comes to something involving Eddie Kingston are a little bit different. Something about this mm -hmm. entire angle felt very WWE to me between the partners not being able to get along to like all the distraction and, and then like maybe more story and more narrative on top of the distraction um, for somebody who like I'm. I, I associate with like such kind of like raw emotion as like an Eddie Kingston. I felt it was a little bit unbelievable for me to see him in. Um, I don't know if I'm that excited right now for, for this entire feud. And maybe part of that is because it's been dragged out for such a long time. Uh, what are your thoughts on the feud overall? Um, I don't, it's weird because I hadn't thought about like the Eddie Kingston house of black seems like an odd pairing to, to me as well. Like I said, I did like the way that they did this. Um, I would kind of, I, I would be more interested in just seeing like straight Eddie Kingston versus Malachi Black. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Like I, 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 my greater interest is in seeing on where House of Black goes in terms of the trios titles, because I think that they are really the, uh, they're, the, they're almost the champions in waiting at this point. Like anything that you do with them is just waiting until you have, you're ready to have a big feud with the elite and uh, yeah. so that's i kind of feel like that's what i'm waiting for with them we can assume that they'll certainly win this feud you know they're just too hot of an act mm -hmm. to, to to lose at this moment but where does that leave uh eddie i guess with ortiz you know eddie eddie in a feud with ortiz um, it does the thing with eddie though is like you can he like he is not someone like we were talking earlier about people who can absorb uh losses fairly easily and no one like no one absorbs losses better than Eddie. He's not diminished by them at all. Like I think he and Darby Allen just seem to, uh, they, they're able to go on losing streaks and still always feel like they come out better at the end of it. It could be like, you know, Eddie and uh, facing Ortiz or like, do we completely discount the idea of a Santana reunion with Ortiz? I, I know there are maybe talks of like where exactly he, he might stand with, with, with Ortiz in real life, but come on, like, I, 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 I hope we haven't seen the last of Proud and Powerful. Do we rule I them hope. out as a trios? Uh, no, I, I, in fact, when that was, when I was looking at the, uh, the thing with House of Black, there was that moment where you think like, oh, wait a minute, that's a trio. Are we going to get Santana back? Uh, we shall see. I certainly hope that he, he does come back around the time when we started hearing uh, about a lot of the issues that he had was a time when uh, a period where AEW seemed to be having a lot of personnel issues. I don't know the extent to which that has calmed down now, but it does seem to be better than it was, or at least there's a lot less getting out than, uh, than there used to be. So maybe coming back into an atmosphere that's less tense overall will, will help him feel better about being there. But, Get an interview with Jade and Layla in the back. And Jade basically says that Velvet is out. Layla is in. Um, so I guess official confirmation of what we would have presumed by this point. Paul Walter Hauser is in the ring with Rene Paquette. He is holding his Golden Globes 
And uh, Renee, I did not see this man's acceptance speech, but apparently he said, get the tables. So Renee brings this up and, um, you, you know, funny because you can you got two references to get the tables mm-hmm. and you can actually see that guy on the other show um, that was taking place at the same time as all of Indeed. this. Yeah. Um, so Hauser says if given the opportunity, he would bypass Connecticut and head to Jacksonville because you never know what will happen in AEW. And uh, Dan Housen comes out. He informs us that he's the number one merch seller in AEW, but he was not given a physical award for it. So he demands Hauser's Golden Globe. Hauser starts asking the audience if they should change the name of his award to Golden Globe Housen. And out come Jarrett and the Lethals. Or, or Jared and Lethal's crew, which uh, still does not have a name. Maybe the Lethals. Jared and, Jared Le- and the Lethals. Like I go with that. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds That's, like a great band. He is a musician, right? Uh, so Hauser cuts this promo on Jared. Says he looks like a woman who owns a Crunch Fitness. He can't play the guitar. He brings everywhere. His guys look like they're dressed for a high uh, homeschool prom. And at this point, Sanjay puts his hands on Hauser. Hauser slaps him, and Lethal decks Hauser. This leads to Sutton Singh sandwiching Danhausen in the corner as Jarrett hits Hauser over the head with a guitar. Lethal then threaten, uh, threatens to attack Danhausen with the Golden Globe, but out come the best friends, and Jay Lethal at this point has stolen Paul Walter Hauser's Golden Globe. So, um, best friends, I think, conveniently waiting, you know, for. Uh, I mean, they, they did not come out to save this poor actor, and they they, they instead came out to save their friend Danhausen. But your thoughts on the segment? It's um, I, I, it was kind of cute. This is like you were talking earlier about something that seemed a little too WWE. This seemed a little too WWE to me. Um, it was you know it's cute. I thought uh, Hauser got some good lines off on Jarrett. Um, I'm ba- It's funny because although. I was just on here last week talking about how I thought that the the Jarrett and Lethal uh, feud with the acclaimed had over delivered, and I really enjoyed the the matches. I'm back to not wanting to see them on my TV so much. I don't know. It's funny because it's like that does not it has not translated for me to wanting to see them do more. It's like, oh, okay, this is the this is the program we're doing with these guys now. Oh, it's cute. I uh, I thought this dude, like, you know, clearly a fan and let us know every opportunity he had by, you know, throwing little insider references with, uh, in particular, hometowns of, like, I guess the companies and Jarrett. But um, it was fun, and I thought he, he took and t- sold the guitar shot well. So, you know, mm-hmm. you if you're AEW, you understandably want to capitalize maybe on a bit of a buzz with, you know, a celebrity attached to you. So um, for Rampage, I thought it was fine. We, uh, instead of a Mark Henry face-to-face segment, we get the same video package promoting our main event tonight. Uh, Ty, Ty Mello and Anna JAS taking on Willow and Ruby Soho in a street fight. But first, our lineup for Wednesday's Dynamite. We've got Danielson versus Bandito. Ricky Starks versus Jake Hager. Adam Page is going to speak. We also announced Young Bucks versus Top Flight. And Orange Cassidy versus Jay Lethal for the All Atlantic Championship, as well as we mentioned Darby Allen taking on Kushida. So, a really um, good looking lineup for Wednesday. Rampage sees Daniel Garcia taking on Action and Dreddy. So, that's all next week. Main event Ruby and Willow taking on Ty Mello and Nana JAS in a street fight. Early on, they fight on the ramp as Ruby says, Get the tables. So, uh, our second Bully Ray reference of the night. 
Ruby is busted open bad after being stuck in a garbage can and double stomped by Ty Mello. We go to commercial and we come back. Anna J has wrapped the barbed wire around her arm for the barbed wire queen slayer on Willow. Ruby breaks it up with the chain as Mello attacks her with the trash can, setting up a tower of doom spot with Willow powerbombing all three of them onto a pile of chairs. We see a really ugly deal from Willow to Anna J into the corner. Willow then hits Jay with a nasty Death Valley driver on the apron. At this point, Ruby's face is full of blood. As they brawl up the ramp, Willow has Anna Jay up for um, a bubba bomb. As she power bombs Jay off the stage uh, through a table on the floor, and Jay's landing completely missed the table, and yeah, she landed. Willow put herself through the table, and Anna went on the floor. Which is how Bubba always always took it. Like you know, you you protect the 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 opponent by I guess yourself taking most of the landing. But I mean, something about this just did not work. Anna taking the brunt of the power bomb on the floor. It looked like, uh, which Mm -hmm. I I'm not aware uh, if there was any padding. I certainly hope there was, but um, you know, uh, I I I guess we we don't know or really don't necessarily have any i'm assuming we would have heard if if she was injured because those things have a tendency to leak out but mm-hmm. uh but yeah like it, it's it's you hate to she has had uh, a number of problems with injury and i'd hate to see her lose any more time uh, because she's she certainly she has a, a a role to play in the women's division i, I enjoy it, her matches it was a very scary bump here uh back up in the ring ty Mello hits a pile driver to soho through uh off the apron through a table uh the safer of the two spots believe it or not that gets a two count this encourages Mello to grab a black bag from underneath the ring it is of course thumbtacks Mello goes for a pile driver ruby fights out of it and then uh, as Mello tries to shove Ruby's already bloodied face into the thumbtacks, Ruby grabs a handful of tacks and throws them into Mello's face, setting up the destination unknown to Mello onto the thumbtacks for the victory. A, a very violent, very bloody match, Kate. Uh, what did you think about our main event? I really liked it. Uh, I think Ty Mello in particular, I think, has a real gift for this sort of match, whether it's it's her expressions. She, to me, um, now that they've sorted out whatever that whole mess they had going on with the semis, as a heel, she really sings. She she has the great mannerisms. She's got like a, a heelish energy to her. And at the same time, it's not, I think what she was getting with Sammy before was kind of a go-away heat. This is very much like good heel heat that she, she has right now. She and Ruby, although they've, they, obviously, there was uh, some pretty seriously bad miscues that ended up in, with Ruby getting injured the first time that they that they fought. They have some real chemistry, I find. I liked the sequences in particular with the two of them. And uh, I, yeah, I thought that this was a lot of fun. It was very, very violent, but that's, it, it's the kind of thing that I think caps off um, a sort of a, a 10 to 11 show on a Friday night really well. Like you, I kind of like it when it ends either funny or wild and this 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 was wild that is the the right uh i thought it was the right result and we'll see what happens with all of them the weirdest thing through all of this for me was that i kept forgetting it was willow i did not realize how tied to seeing people's hair my recognition of wrestlers was because i see willow with the the braids down i kept thinking it was nyla her, her and uh, Zia Lee tonight, you know, uh, yeah. showing off the, the braids. <laughs> um, I would show 
a photo on this stream of uh, Ruby Soho, but I don't want us to get uh, flagged um, afterwards <laughs> by YouTube. Like it was pretty gory. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's sort of the expectation that you set in AEW when you promote a street fight. Like they, they, you're guaranteed blood and you're guaranteed probably a lot of it. And they certainly lived up to it. My only criticism is that I wish this had a bit more promotion attached to it. And, you know, mm. you're only going to get so much, especially if you're in a women's match on a rampage. You might get 30 seconds in a video package and, and just that that's kind of it. This felt like such a blood feud of an ending that I I didn't necessarily feel like blood feud heading into it. So um, the result was great. I, I I guess I just wish like the the rest of the package felt that much more like substantial and heated as we got into this. Yeah, so I that feel was like the sorry. Sorry, go ahead, please. <laughs> no, I was gonna say like I feel like that kind of happened with the last time you had the 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 street fight with Ty Melo and Anna J. That it ended up being this really awesome like match with a big feel to it, and at the same time like the the lead in. Although there had been a story going into it, it didn't really feel as substantial as uh, as it should have for the the level that the the match hit. But, uh, yeah. but you know, like I mean, it's it's a great hook to get people to stick around for three hours of tapings, and and probably you know at least in result a uh, a worthwhile way to end a, a long viewing for people at home. So, um, what did you think of Rampage? And the crowd overall? got into it. Uh, I thought it was, I th I thought it was uh, I thought it was very good. Uh, I, again, I liked the the build up to the the street fight. I thought it was an example of an episode. A lot of times, Rampage starts out hot and then sort of uh, like it, it's almost like you get the main event as the first match. This one definitely felt like it was building. Like the the main event was the the final match. Uh, liked getting to see Darby. Um, I uh, I thought. Yeah, I thought that uh, it was. It's an enjoyable hour. It's a fast hour of television. I thought I appreciate that they are trying to do story a bit more on Rampage because that was definitely an area that needed to be improved. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I mean, I would say the, this would be like um, on, on like the slightly above average side. You know, as far as AEW Rampage goes, um, on paper, you know, in terms of attraction, I would say, yeah pretty average but like coming out of it you're always happy that you decided to watch it i actually thought like the uh the golden globe winner segment was kind of fun and the main event uh, i certainly thought was pretty worthwhile so that was our thoughts about tonight's wrestling and tonight's news now we open up the phone lines and also forum.postwrestling.com for our patrons uh for all of you guys the chat room right now and also the show description on youtube uh, or on uh, our postwrestling.com, we'll have the call-in link. Tonight, we're actually available for everybody. So if you have something to say, you don't even have to appear on camera. You can just appear by voice. We will get to your phone call uh, simply if you click on the StreamYard link that is right now uh, available on all of those sources. So let's start things off here with Muggin. Muggin, a regular on the show. What are your thoughts on tonight's wrestling? What's up, everybody? Hey, Muggin, hey. what's up? Good. Um, I waited months. I waited months to read this. So guess what I got from the library this week? Ah, oh, the Brian Gowertz book. All right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like eleven ish, eleven chapters deep. Man, I'm so glad I wasn't around when the whole Katie Vick thing happened. I wasn't watching by then. <laughs> Thank God. That. Seriously, you wouldn't have forgotten it if you did. Yeah. 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 It was so. Yeah. So far, it's a great book, and it's it's very cool to see you know Brian's you know experience 
with the company. And I, I'm on chapter, tw- I think I'm on chapter 12 right now. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great book so far. A lot, a lot of cool stories. Yeah. Anyway, um, I had I, I had time for SmackDown, and um, I gotta say, Gunter and Str- Gunter and Strowman was very strong. I mean, Braun like this is honestly Braun's best match since since he came back. I mean, granted, mm-hmm. like the only match, the only great matches he's ever had was were with Roman Reigns. More on him and more on him later. But man, Gunter is Gunter's, Gunter's a special talent to pull that kind of match out of out of Strowman. Like, I mean, there was good selling involved. Like I mean, there was some cheating involved with with Imperium, like, with Imperium. But I mean, I felt like for the most part, you know, Gunter, you know, won the match pretty cleanly. So it's on. It's on to the next thing with them. Like he's doing great work as Intercontinental Champion, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I gotta say, I knew going in, I knew going in that it was gonna end in a smaz, with because it, it feels like you know, the match was so evenly contested that. Uh, you know, Jimmy and Jay and Solo intervening did undercut him quite a bit because Sammy's facial facial acting was stellar. His facial acting was so stellar, and you can tell that you know he can tell that uh, he feels like you know Roman doesn't really doesn't have as much faith in him as he thought. And I think like the wheels are gonna, the wheels are going to the wheels are turning in his head. And I feel like it's going to go one of two ways: either the bloodline is going to ditch him. Or Sam will just you know work. Sam will just work up enough balls to leave to leave them all together. So I th- I hope it's leaning towards that way because that's that's more of a baby based move. I, I would think. Hmm. It'll be really interesting to see how they close this whole thing off because, like, on the one hand, um, how weak are they willing to make Roman Reigns and the Bloodline look? Um, and how are they going to? How much attention are they going to give Sami Zayn? Um, at the expense of the bloodline, I suppose, you know, they can either kick him out or have Zami Zayn be the one to initiate it. And I mean, maybe it'll be a bit, a bit of a combination of the two. And also, I also want to bring this up. I also want to bring this up since it's happened on Raw, you know, after when, when Judgment Day won the tag team turmoil. There's like, they're starting the process of splitting up the titles with Judgment Day facing the Usos for the Raw tag titles and now this tag team title tournament for the SmackDown titles. I feel like it feels, it feels like, you know, they're getting the ball rolling with splitting mm-hmm. up the championships now. So that's a great thing. So I, I bet, I bet judgment day and uh, Usos will be on uh Roth Roth's 30th anniversary. Mm. And, uh, Very possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's still a two night WrestleMania and, um, with both sets of titles consolidated, I mean, you would expect at, at the very least, maybe, you know, what, one of the t- set of titles to be split by then. And, and maybe that'll be the tag team championships. And on top of that too, like, I mean, the Usos have held the SmackDown title attack titles longer than the Raw ones because they won it in Money in the Bank 2021 to now. So the record, record stays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's 18, yes. like, like a little over 18 months now. And I didn't see Rampage yet. I hear the street fight was very good, but there was one other women's match that I saw after SmackDown, and that was Hardy Kills main event. Mickey mm-hmm. yeah, James versus Jordan Grace was fantastic. Career versus Jordan has had an incredible run uh, in uh, in in Impact just in the last year or, or so since she got the title back. She's been uh, a, an excellent uh, addition to the well, not addition. She was there all the time, but she has just done some great work on the the roster. And yeah, oh, I see Masha won the. Uh, the number one contenders match. So I haven't seen, I've not seen, this, I've not seen the two matches with Masha Kate. I, I think I should. Like impact. Oh is, yeah, 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 definitely. Impact, impact shouldn't be slept on because they've got some great talent over there. All right, mm-hmm. y'all. they absolutely Thank do. You. Thank you so much, Muggin. Appreciate the uh, recommendation and your call. Let's go up next to Brian. Brian, welcome to the show. 
Oh, thank you, Wayne and Kate. Uh, another great show tonight. Um, I only caught the second okay. hour of SmackDown, but um, uh, strong main event and with, with where that's all going. And uh, yeah, Rampage, I thought was really tight. Just the three matches and a bunch of promos and good stuff overall. Uh, this past week has been nuts. And I give credit to Post and the other reputable sites, and as well as Ariel Hawani, Brandon Thurston, and such, for putting those nuts back in the proverbial can after a miserable Tuesday night. Um, with that crazy rumor, which I'm glad is just a rumor for now. And uh, the cons buying WWE, in turn potentially uniting all of the cons and Shad, Tony, and Jolly Old St. Nick, is the longest of long shots. But if it were to happen, I would laugh hysterically at the fate of WWE before I presumably die from my brain exploding from that happening. Uh, so, yeah, um, I mean the Saudis right now are far more likely than uh, the Collins, and 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 yes, it was a rumor, but it's still yeah. you know very much a possibility that uh, you know we we, we could uh, potentially see with the company in the future. So. Um, yeah, it's it's fun to speculate. It's fun, but you know, as Kate has said earlier, I mean, a monopoly would would be terrible for the industry. Yes, um, not exactly like a great choice of like two alternatives. I you know we've just laid out there, but like um, neither of them would be great for the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, definitely get what you're saying. And just one quick question: um, When the Sami Zayn turn happens, will it be the bloodline turning on Sami, or Sami turning on the bloodline? That's what we were just discussing with Muggin. You know, what would you like to see, Brian? I think it would mean a lot more if Sammy made the turn himself, and as as opposed to having it forced on him. How about you, Kate? I think that uh, which way they go depends on how far they want to take things with Sammy. I agree. I would rather have Sammy just get to the point like, hey, you never have confidence in me. You always send me out to do your dirty work. Uh, this is, you know, I, I deserve better. I've, I've earned your respect and have him walk away. However, I don't think Sammy's going to be the one who is ultimately going to be the one to dethrone Roman or take either of the titles off him. Therefore, I think they'll go for the easier route and have the the bloodline turn on him. Because I think that if he's not the guy that, uh, that takes... Uh, at least one of the titles off Roman, then you don't want to weaken Roman more than you absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, um, they could always do the tag team title reign with he and Kevin Owens defeating the Usos, and maybe that's as far as like Sami Zayn, you know, gets to go. But they're really kind of like building things here between Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns to the point where you at least want to see a match take place, right? So, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for the call, Brian. Let's go up next to Andy. Andy B. Welcome to the show. Um, hi, hi, guys. Can you hear me? We can hear you, Andy. Mm-hmm. Hi. Um, I, I, again, just like everybody else, I wanted to thank you for your coverage of all the crazy events in the past uh, few days. I've been listening to you guys since 2013. So, um, uh, yeah, wow. so uh, thank you for all the work anyway. Thank um, you, Andy. So, I, I just wanted to ask you guys how, what your thoughts on a prospective sale of WWE to Saudi Arabia? Because 
Um, to me, it kind of seems inevitable because they're going to let Vince McMahon kind of have his cake and eat it too, in the sense that they're going to give him the most money and probably let him keep running the company. So, I mean, even though, uh, you know, that, those rumors were kind of shot down, I can't help but fear the worst. Mm-hmm. Um. Kate, you haven't, you know, exactly had had a big chance to speak uh, at length about this. What are your thoughts? So many. Uh, I'll, I will try to keep this brief. But basically, I tend to agree, uh, Andy. I think that there, from Vince's perspective, there is a lot of upside to selling to the Saudis in terms of the the, the fact that they're the most likely to let him retain control. They're going to pay the most money. They have more money than any other buyer. And they are going to uh, exercise the least, they're going to give the least interference to the, uh, to the, uh, the product uh, as it's, uh, as it's put on air. So I think from Vince's perspective, there's a lot of benefits that can come from uh, sell, selling to the, the Saudi government would also be, uh, a way to, to allow him to take the company private again, which I think, given the issues that he's had in ter- in, in terms of uh, like financial impropriety, is something that he like he would welcome. Uh, that uh, I don't I don't love the idea for for anyone uh, for any other reason. Like I don't know if anyone else other than Vince benefits from having the, uh, the the Saudi public investment fund as owners. Um, I guess- What are the drawbacks? Yeah. What are the negatives? One of the things, one of the things about um, that rumor, there are a couple of things that, uh, that are worth considering. One is that it's, it's possible that uh, when people were saying a deal was done, I don't know that anyone thought that there was an actual deal on paper done because this is not uh, possible when you're talking about a publicly traded company. I do think that, again, if Vince is interested in this deal, he may have worked out a lot of the, the, the points with this group beforehand. An agreement, uh, a, a broad agreement in principle with someone who controls 80% of the voting shares of a company and an agreement on paper, there's not a lot of difference between those. If Vince is already on board with that, if he wants to go ahead with this, it will go ahead. So yeah, I, I, I perhaps give a little more credence to this rumor than some people when it was uh, when it was sort of discovered uh, or when it came out that it wasn't a done deal per se. I thought that even the wording of uh, some of, of some of the denials was very telling that you know at this specific moment in time as i am typing this message there is no deal in place it was very very cautiously worded when they're saying that there was no deal in place but yeah i it it feels very likely to me well i I think the only sorry no go ahead andy sure i i think the only way we sort of get um, out of this predicament is if some of like WWE's biggest business partners kind of step up to the plate and say, you know, we're not going to work with you if you go ahead and make uh, a deal with like possibly like the worst of the options uh, available to you right now. So, so I, I mean, I was going to ask, you know, what are the drawbacks to something like this? You know, we, we've laid out a lot of the positives and reasons why Vince McMahon would obviously want something like this to occur, keeps him in power, potentially, you know, takes him, uh, takes all the heat away publicly from uh, a lot of his private dealings. Um, 
But what are the drawbacks? And one of those I have to imagine would be the legacy of the company. How much does he care about the future of the WWE? Will it hurt potential relationships with sponsors, with TV advertisers from wanting to show his product? Um, part of me tells me that that like even if the Saudis bought it, like WWE would still find a home um, fine, oh. you know, on, on a major yeah. network. But do you think he's considering any of this at all? I don't think it's the, I think that in terms of what he's concerned about, it is with his own role and his own legacy. I don't know that he's overly worried about harming the the legacy of the company per se. I don't know. I don't get that from, I could be totally wrong there. I, I think um, with him that it is much more about getting what he wants and that feels more like securing his position within the company and his right to or his ability to do what it is that he wants to do i think other concerns are secondary the only one that comes into play is if uh having him there would affect the company's ability to get a tv deal because without national tv it's not a useful property for the saudis to spend this kind of money on but i don't know that it would really that uh, having uh, this ownership would really cause a problem for them getting a TV deal. I, I, even if it's not as lucrative as they were expecting, again, if it's an entirely private company, again, it doesn't matter. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate the call. And uh, thank you to all the people who called in. Again, you can always call in on Rewind to Smackdown every single Friday at Post Wrestling Cafe. You can also write in your thoughts on tonight's wrestling at forum.postwrestling.com if you are a patron of our site. So uh, first we got a Saeed from Vancouver who says, SmackDown was an all right show that zoomed by. Gunther and Braun Strowman put on a hell of a match. Caught me by surprise that they gave them 20 minutes. Liv has to go all the way to the top four or the storyline I feel like is going to be a waste. Uh, I'm in agreement there. Owens and Sammy do not miss when they are in a match together. As much as I hate DQ finishes after 20-minute-plus matches, this one made sense. Finally got TSN to let me watch Rampage during the main event, and holy crap, did those ladies go off. I really hope Anna is okay after that table spot. Am I mistaken in saying this is the second time Anna has missed a table spot? Do you recall, Kate, first time? Uh, oh, I think there was one during the street fight. I did not remember if it was Anna. I thought it, that it was Tay. Uh... Who but she missed ended up a, taking a, a very rough, yeah. Who took a very rough table spot with Penelope Ford in the the last street fight? Um, mm. I definitely remember that. I'm mm. not sure about Anna. Could be. Finally, we got a Jermaine from Chicago who says, "What's up, Way and Hi, Kate? I saw SmackDown and a little bit of Rampage. Gunther is the true champion of SmackDown. I can buy him elevating the IC title, but theory, no one is buying that the US title is on the same level as the IC." This Bray Wyatt act of taking five minutes and saying his gobbledygook promo and his in-ring work isn't for me. I really thought Triple H would be the better babyface booker than Vince, but to me, he is really struggling. The only babyface he has in a better light is Ricochet. Lastly, I had thought about MJF. He is special and extremely talented. I see him and know he can make, he can make it in Hollywood, but not as an actor. With his ability to talk and sing and dance, the spot for him is late-night talk show host. What do you guys think? Kate is a great addition to post wrestling. Have a great weekend. Thank uh, you so much. Thank you. A lot there. And I'm certainly in agreement with his last uh, thought, but um, MJF is talk show host. I don't, I'm, I, 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 I could, I could certainly see it, but um, I don't know. What do you think? Kate? 
I think the thing with a talk show host is a great talk show host has to be able to get people to talk to them. And I don't know how many people MJF is going to get on board with talking to him. I think when MJF talks, it's because he wants to hear MJF. But uh, I definitely I'd watch the show. <laughs> he but seems it's... more like a spectacular guest to me than maybe somebody to lead a conversation, somebody neutral mm -hmm. enough. And I mean, you know, as sort of like a blank canvas enough as like a Jay Leno or like even a Letterman is, you know, um, maybe that's a segment. Maybe I mean, certainly a Piper's Pit segment, you know, for him mm -hmm. uh, would be tremendous. Yes. Um, OK, what else did he talk about here? Um, do you agree that the only baby face that's in a better light under Paula Beck is Triple H or sorry, uh, Ricochet? trying to think uh I, I would have to say that yeah there there has not been ricochet even like minimal yeah like ricochet i think Sami Zayn is, is at Sami a lower Zayn. level kevin but owens is that, yeah yeah but i don't know if they are i guess you could say owens is is at a, a somewhat uh owens at a higher was, level but was taken on uh a, what ezekiel Prior to, to yeah. Triple H coming, in, well, so. and he was he was a heel. Um, the thing the thing with Owens and Zayn is that I their talent they are special enough that they almost defy any kind of booking. Like you can book them however they want, they are going to find a way to shine. In turn, so yes, they are both bigger baby faces now than they were six months ago. Um, in terms of people who kind of needed to be booked more cautiously who who really needed that guiding hand is there anyone who i think that he's distinguished himself with not really because the only other person i can think of who feels like a bigger baby face now than they did six months ago is seth rollins and that's again that is someone who has very much kind of done that on his own it's not like he has necessarily been booked to be this incredible baby face yeah um Look, it's it's funny because it's almost like um, AW and WWE are they're in opposite like they're they're they have the opposite problems. WWE struggles to create compelling baby faces. AEW struggles to keep their compelling heels as heels. They like people will just start to cheer for them naturally, and they you know it's work for the biggest heels in AEW actually getting people to to boo them and to hate them and mjf is the biggest example of that uh just a point of clarification saeed was uh remembering julia hart that was being shoved off the apron or uh through uh, missing a table spot uh in, oh. in his comment um but that wraps it up here for tonight's rewind of smackdown kate tremendous as always these past couple weeks Thank you so much we look forward to your next appearance on one of these shows where can people follow you and see more of you or hear more you can find me you can find me on twitter i am she rants about wrestling which is at she rants mtl and i am there just talking about the wrestling all the time at 24 she, hours a day at she rants mtl you can message her with your thoughts and uh follow her thoughts as she talks about everything that she watches you can find me at way 0937 and you can find john pollock and john cedo right now in the post wrestling cafe as they talk about uh 
a, a what sounds sounded like it was a, a good at least main event here for Impact Hard mm-hmm. to Kill. Their post show is up right now at postwrestlingcafe.com for video members. Video.postwrestlingcafe.com. I'm sorry. Uh, I got a ton of these that we got to get through. But um, it's the best way to support the channel. We appreciate you guys listening to this. If it's your first time listening to Rewind to SmackDown, we're back here every single Friday in those particular feeds. So thank you guys very much. We will talk to you guys Oh. This, uh, well, first of all, this weekend, we've got postmarks coming out. We've got the Nubian Wrestling Advocates showing up here at youtube.com slash postwrestling. WrestleNomics is out on Sunday, and I will be back with John on Monday, unless, of course, any earth-shattering news happens between now and then. But uh, for the sake of, uh, I guess, our families, let's let's hope not. But uh, have a great weekend, Kate, and have a great weekend, all of you. Talk to you guys Thank later. you so much to everyone.